0: Hi everybody, nice to see you. It is good to be in your homes and to be at RCC. At the moment, I am in neither of those places, as you can tell. I am here at the satellite service. I'm here at the hub at 999 Goulds Road. And uh, look, first things first, this is a recorded on Saturday afternoon. Um, for us to get uh, me here uh, and uh, zoomed in, if you will, from here to the other location while they're doing worship and us watching watching worship uh, on live stream here but recorded at RCC is all just a little bit too difficult right now. So my apologies, this is a pre-recorded message but only by a few hours and um, I uh, just want to welcome you guys all here. And if you're watching at home, um, this is why it's a little bit different. Um, on the ground uh, this Sunday morning, it's going to be me uh, on a screen. Other than that, everything else is normal at our main location, at uh, the Ralston uh, Community Centre, and we're going to be holding our satellite service, I think this is the third or fourth one we've held here at the community, uh, at not the community centre, but at the hub. Um, so hey, I want to kick off this morning, there's a few things we're going to do, and we're going to do things a little bit differently, because I understand right now, you're just looking at me on a screen, and uh, I want to do the best I can to this for this to be an interactive message. So can I pray first? Um, Thank you, Jesus, for today. Father, I always say that. I I give you thanks. I pray that we would all have a heart of thankfulness today, wherever we are. Lord, um, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through uh, what it is that you want to see shifted in our lives individually and corporately today, Jesus, we ask in your mighty name. Amen. So uh, for those playing at home, um, feel free to grab your Bibles um, and continue on uh, with the look into Luke chapter 15. The last uh, couple of times I've spoken, I spoke from uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7, which is the parable of the lost sheep, then verses 8 to 10 on my second week, which was uh, the parable of the lost coin, and then we are going to continue And if you know your scripture a little bit, you'll know that this is a very famous story. In fact, perhaps one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. One of the most famous parables that Jesus ever told. Um, And so we're going to we're going to unpack that for um, a few minutes. And I've got some questions I want you guys to ask. So what I want you to do is, if you're sitting at home, maybe you've got someone with you. Look to next to that person and say, "You're my buddy." If they're on this side, "You're my buddy." When it comes to buddy question time, you're my buddy. If you're by yourself, just grab your phone, look at your phone and say you're my buddy or grab your diary um, or a piece of paper and I want you to write these questions out. But if you're at Rothson Community Centre this morning, look to your left, look to your right, find a group of three or four people uh, and say you're my buddy, do that right now. Look, you're my buddy, you're my buddy. Right, high five if you want to, great, good high fives. Um, and. I'm going to ask you some questions soon, and when we get to those things, that's when you can break into your little groups and ask the question. Will you do that with me? Thumbs up. Down the back. Good. Thumbs up. Great. Um, What I wanted to do is, you know, I know there's a lot going on right now, and I hummed, and I hard, and I sought the Lord. I prayed about it. I talked to my friends and family, my close friends, and I thought, do I speak into unity right now? Do I speak into community? Do I speak um, directly into this traffic light and COVID mandate thing? And I really felt a sense of my spirit to continue doing what he has laid out ahead of me. Um, And yes, sure, there will be elements of what I talk about today that you can apply to this situation that we're in, but I just feel like I'm a bit fatigued by it. Are you? A bit fatigued by all the conversations. And so, Let's continue with what I feel like God has got on my heart for this season, Um, and always keen to have conversations uh, with you um, specifically about that stuff, but there is some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today in Luke 15 that certainly can be applied to today. So let's kick off, shall we? Um, I want to do a a brief recap, if you will. Now, this recap I want to do of uh, my first sermon, just in taking one or two minutes, And then the second one, and I've got some questions. So in Luke 15, chapter 1 to 7, we hear the story about the lost sheep. And a few weeks ago, I shared about um, what it is to be sheep. And I was talking about how sheep know the Father. The sheep know the sound of the voice of the shepherd. How do we know the voice of God? How do we know the voice of the shepherd? Well, we know that um, sheep know the voice of God by two things. By time and by proximity. So spending time in God's presence, you get to hear and know his voice and his will for you. And you do that by just being close to him. So time and proximity. Are you close to God? Do you put yourself, do you position yourself in a place where you can hear God's voice, where you're in his word, in uh, in, a, in, a, in a worshipful uh, mindset? Um, so you need, your, you need time and you need proximity when it comes to uh, hearing God's voice. The second thing we talked about with sheep is that we need to trust in the shepherd and that often sheep will follow another sheep and you've all seen the sheep like jump an imaginary fence and then all the whole, uh, the whole mob will follow them and they'll all jump the same spot because by definition we tend to follow um, those in front of us. Uh, but we need to be led by Jesus is what I was unpacking. And then we also talked about how in a corral in ancient Jewish times, um, there, there was never a gate. They would herd the, uh, the sheep into this stoned area and they didn't use timber because there wasn't a lot of timber around. So where did the shepherd sleep? I, I talked at the time about how the shepherd always slept in the gate. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The shepherd is the gateway. Uh, to relationship with the father and he keeps us safe he keeps us in relationship he keeps us away from prowling animals that would like to devour us Jesus is the gateway so those are the couple of main points that uh, we hear his voice by proximity and time uh, that uh, we follow his voice that we know that we are led by God and then the last one being that he is the gatekeeper he' is, he is the way and the truth for the father and you know Uh, Scripture says that uh, narrow is the gate to the Father, but wide is the pathway uh, to destruction. So, one moment, notes have gone. Excuse me. There we go. All right. Um, And uh, for sermon uh, number two, it was a recap of eight to ten, and it was talking about this lost coin. Um, And uh, we talked about how a coin has an innate value it is the representation of something stamped on it. It is an image of something that holds value. And we talked about how as people, no matter the crud we go through, the fire, the water, I had a coin, I wrote on it, I wrote these horrible things, um, I drowned it, I, I put it on fire, all of that stuff actually doesn't change the value of the coin. Now we go through that and it's hard, it might even leave a scar or a dent in your coin, But it doesn't change that you were bought for uh, by the blood of Jesus and that he loves you and that you are so incredibly valued. It is stamped. It is made in the image of something. And that is what we are. You know, in both of those stories and in the story to come, there is a celebration. And I talked about how in both of these times, that celebration, when you celebrate something, it shows incredible value. So when Jesus told the story to the Pharisees, both of these two parables, he was unpacking that we are valuable. So here's the first question I have for you. Um, Out of either these two parables that Jesus spoke about, what is something in there that stands out for you? Maybe it's one of the points I talked about. Maybe it's something you've heard before. But what is one thing that stands out for you uh, in either the lost sheep or the lost coin? You have two minutes amongst your four people uh, to have a chat, ask a question. Um, If you're a bit nervous, I get that. It's okay. Um, We'll make sure that we've got the right people in the groups uh, to help that conversation along. But just, is there anything about the parable of the sheep? Is there anything about the parable of the lost coin that has stood out for you in either one of these messages? Uh, Or something else? Uh, You've got two minutes. Great all right great well done good job um you're probably still talking right now but i'll give you another five seconds four three two one excellent hey um so i want to tell this story you'll know that this is the story of the prodigal son um for the last few centuries people have called it the story uh, of the prodigal son but if you know the story well and if you look at it, Jesus didn't talk about just one son. This is the prodigal sons. This is a story of two sons and a father. If you don't know the story, let me talk through it really briefly um, for you. And some of you will know it really well. You know, we always have to think about the original listeners. Jesus was in a setting where he's talking to some Pharisees. He's talking to his followers. And he, there's a lot more being said here. There might be on first glance. So, here's a story. Jesus said, um, suppose there's a man and he has two sons. Now, he goes to tell the story. A few things we know about this story is we know that uh, the man would have been of incredible uh, and uh, substantial wealth, not just financial wealth, but probably um, involvement in the community. He would have been a man of high standing. And, here he has two sons. Now, um, in those times when uh, the father died, uh, the sons would inherit the property. But not, not 50-50. The eldest son would always get two-thirds, uh, the double portion. And the, the younger children and younger siblings would get uh, a third of what was remaining. But only once the father had died. And so Jesus tells the story about how one of these sons comes up to the father... And he says, Father, give me what is mine now. Now, remembering that we think about what the original listeners would have heard. They would have been, they would have been aghast to, to hear that. No way would that have ever happened. You would never go to the patriarch of the family and say, you must split what you have and give me my portion whilst you're alive. Effectively, in that setting, in that context, what the son was saying to the father is, I want you dead. I do not hold you of value and worth in my life. I want what you have right now into my life. And so the, the listeners would have been like shocked and gone, no way, that would never happen. And if it did happen, you would kind of be within your rights to either have him stoned to death, uh, kick him out of the family, um, at least physically abuse him, um, and to, and to uh, repel him from your family for even suggesting such a thing. Because back then in ancient... Um, uh, Egypt, uh, Egyptian, a, uh, ancient Israeli times, um, a man didn't just have money in a bank account. Far th- by far, the, the, the biggest way that someone would measure wealth was in land and uh, animals on that land. And so when you say uh, divvy up the land or divvy up what is mine, that's literally selling a portion of the land. And that would have been a huge um, dishonor to the family. There would have been It would have been a dishonor to uh, the father, but everybody associated as well. And they would have been flabbergasted to hear this. But even more, if you continue to read the story, is the father's response. This is the first time we hear the heart of the father. He says, okay, if that is your wish, I will do so. And so he takes his time, he divvies up the land, he keeps two thirds for himself, which will go to his eldest son, and then a third of it, incredible wealth goes to the youngest son. And so this youngest son takes all this wealth and leaves to another country. And he goes and spends it on wild living, the Bible says. So alcohol, prostitution, all of that sort of stuff. Wild parties and debauchery. He would have had the time of his life. And he went and he did all of this stuff. Um, You know, the Greek word for land is not just the land here, but it's this Greek word bios. And bios literally means life. It's the life course, or which by life is sustained by. And so that Greek word bios literally means that he tore his life, uh, he tore everything that means of him to be of a man of st- uh, stature in the community, he tore it and would have been dishonored a little bit um, by giving it to the son, and and he did so. He, he There was a free will of the father to the son say, look, I don't want this for your life, and I'm sure that was said, he said, if that's what you want, I so love you, I am going to give you what you want. And he goes, and, uh, and, and he does that. This would have been an assault to the integrity of this family. Son goes away, and as you may know, everything goes, hits the fan, <laughs> if you will. Um, there's a famine that comes, and the guy has lost everything. No longer does he have his friends and people hanging around him anymore because he's got nothing. He was, his life and his value was tied up in material belongings and material things. And when those material things were gone, there was nothing left holding him up. And he went and hired himself out um, to go feed pigs. And for a Jewish man to feed pigs uh, was the bottom, the lowest of the low. It was like you'd reach below the bottom. The pigs were unclean. And here he is starving, not even able to eat what the pigs are eating. And he has this moment. He has this epiphany on him that even the, even the slaves in my father's house have bread left over. Even the hired men have uh, more money than I have. Um, I have made a terrible mistake. And so the son makes up this plan. Hey, I, I'm going to go home. I, I can't do anything else. I, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to go back. I'm going to come to into his presence again. And I'm going to ask for forgiveness. But... I also know that I'm not going to be accepted as a son anymore. I would, I'll go as a hired hand because a hired hand, uh, I will give him all of my time for food. I will try and pay off this debt that I have, um, that I have made uh, with my father. I will try and work my way back into relationship with the father. And so he has this plan, he has a speech prepared, he has a very long walk back, he was, if he was starving then, on the road he's going to be even more starving, and he comes back home, and he comes back with his plan. Now, when he's coming back home, home, many of you will understand, that isn't just necessary bricks and mortar, but a home is where you're accepted, where you're valued, where you're loved, where you're supported. Um, when I think of my home, I think of my family, that's what I think. Um, we can be anywhere, but they are my home. God is my home, um, and so that's that's kind of the thing. He, he wants to come back into relationship, but he's wanting to work through it, which I understand. You know, some of us are like that younger brother. We want the things of God, but we don't want the relationship with God. We want stuff, but we don't want to be in relationship. We want uh, to to have everything right now. We want to have the gifts, skills, and, and talents, and abilities that God has given us. But we don't want the, the um, obedience that comes with working with those things inside relationship with God. I have certainly been there myself. You know, there's sometimes, some of us uh, can really... Um, Connect with the younger brother. We go, yeah, that makes sense. I've run away from God, um, and I've run away from the father, and I have made a mistake, and I want to come back into relationship. So what he does is, as he's walking, he gets probably onto his father's property, starts walking up the road. Now, the father, imagine sitting there on his porch. He would be well forgiven to see his son coming up that path and go, Oh, well, this is interesting. Here he is, groveling. And I always picture that they always knew, that he always knew what his son was up to. He would have had people. He was a wealthy man. He was a man of um, importance. I think he would have had people connected. You know, oh, Horatio down the road's uh, youngest cousin is a uh, stonemason in this town. And he saw your son come through. And then, man, he's not doing too well. He was drunk. He was this. So he would have known. And I, I, I picture the father going, oh, here we go here we go, the I told you so spirit, welling up. And I would have done it. You know, someone's hurt you, ripped your life apart, and then they come back with their tail between their legs. Yeah, I I think it's understandable if you'd had that heart. But not this. Not this. Not this. This is so different. This is what God does. Uh, And remember, this is the Son of God telling this story about Him and uh, and, uh, another part of the Godhead being God the Father. And so God... Telling the story says, he saw his son and he gets up and he runs to his son. Now, in ancient Israel, uh, a, um, a patriarch to run is not the thing done. Children run, uh, slaves might run, hired workers might run, a woman would even run, but not the patriarch. That would be unbecoming. Um, you would have to uh, hike up your long um, uh, skirts and your tassel and everything of importance, and you would run. Um, and, and that was not done. That was that was um, unbecoming of a man of his stature. But he runs, full down the road, probably an older man, and he's running towards his son. What a beautiful picture that is. So my question number two right now is this. Question number two is, um, what is that? Make you feel? When you hear God telling a story about God uh, through a parable about him running for relationship with people again, how does that make you feel? What do you think the the son would have felt? What do you think the listeners would have felt when hearing this story? Because this is a very obvious story of sin, right? This guy has gone and done stuff and he's been sinful. He's repented and trying to come back into relationship with God. And what happens? And yeah, well, ask that question first, and then I'm going to tell you if you don't already know what he says. All right, ask the question. It's going to come on the screen right now. All right, good work asking the question. So um, how would that make you feel to see the father running, to, 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 to be reminded that God wants relationship with us? And so to carry on the story, if you don't already know it, he says, Father, and remember, he's got his speech prepared. He says, I have sinned against you. Uh, let me be a hired man. Let me be a, a hired person in your in your uh, ranks. Um, and I, I'm so sorry. And the father stops him and he says, uh, get get, get a robe for him. Get get sandals for his feet. And and then here's the interesting thing. He said, uh, get the ring. Get a ring for his finger. Now, this ring uh, was like a, a credit card. This ring was. This signified absolute value and importance and integrity. This ring, if you po- if you put uh, you put it into uh, wax, um, and that was like an autograph. That was like a signature on an on a contract or a covenant or an agreement. Um, and you could go into the market and you would put that on, and, that, and then, then then you'd get the bill to your household. Um, anyone who had a ring. Um, it, they basically spoke for the patriarch of the family. And so when he puts that ring back on the son's uh, finger, he reinstates him with everything and says, you are my son, you are valued, you are a part of the family. Sorry about the airplane. You are a part of this family now. And I just love that picture. And, and he is restored. He is uh, redeemed in this relationship. And, uh, and he says, bring the fattened calf. Meat was a delicacy that wasn't eaten a whole lot um, at this time. And so the fattened calf was like the creme de la creme. When you had a fattened calf, you didn't just, it wasn't even just a private party. You had the whole village there. And they would have gone out and said, hey, come, the prodigal son has returned. The, the son that was was dead. And, and, and this is what the father says. Um, Jesus says in the first one and the second one, he says, I've lost and found. But here he says dead and alive, and I think he's leveling it up, right? A sheep, a coin, a person's life. All right. The other question I want to ask before we progress into the second part of the story, which is unfortunately often overlooked because at first glance it it seems quite two-dimensional, but there's a complicated thing that Jesus is saying about the second part. We're going to get there in a moment. The, The other question I want to ask you is this. What is the big point? Jesus is the one telling this story. What is the big point when we think of the brother uh, squandering everything, turning against the father? What is the big point that he tells in this first act? Like, when you think of this story, it's like a three-part um, drama. It's a mini-series, if you will. In this first act, what do you what do you think the big point is? What's the one truth that Jesus is trying to get across to everybody in this thing? When you think of... The lost son, the prodigal son. What is he trying to get across? You've got two minutes. All right, great. Thank you for uh, asking the question. Um, when me, For me, when I ask myself that question, there's got to be a truth around, uh, there's probably a lot of answers, but for me, is that there's always a chance for de- redemption. Uh, and that God... Um, God celebrates and uh, abandonly runs towards anyone that is making even a half step towards Him. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to pivot from one brother who, this is a very obvious story of sin, right? Yeah, that one made, made a lot of mistakes. There was debauchery, there was prostitution, there was wild partying. He hurt his father and his family, he assaulted the integrity. But here is the thing, I believe that the other son assaults the integrity of the family also. So let's go into the second act where we hear about the other brother, the elder brother. If things had happened naturally when his father dies, he's the one that gets two thirds and his brother gets the third. Um, we can only assume that over this, I would guess, maybe a couple of years, maybe six months, maybe a lot longer, maybe a decade, I don't know. But I can imagine over this time, there's been a festering wound um, happening in the elder brother. Because what we hear is he comes from the field working a hard day. He's been working hard while his brother's been out squandering. He comes up and he's like, here's music. He sees people from the village um, at their place. He smells cooked uh, calf, fattened calf. He's like, what is going on? talks to one of the slaves. Sorry about the plane. <laughs> Uh He talks to one of the slaves and says, what's going on? And he says, your brother has returned. And he's fuming. And he goes up and he looks and he's like, I'm not going to go inside. I'm not going to enter. I'm not going to partner with that guy and what he's done to our family. I have been the good son. You have been the bad son. And the punishment for that is segregation. The punishment is you don't get to be in this. I will not partner with you. I will not have you a part of this. And so he's fuming. And I'm sure he had some terse words with the slaves or one of the workers there, and got back to the father. The father comes out, goes to his son, leaves the party, leaves his guests, goes and finds his eldest son, and says, buddy, what's going on? And he says, look, he took everything from you. He didn't say father. He said that son of yours. He didn't even say my brother or your son said, that son of yours has done this, 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 and this. There's a long list of accusations, right? He has been bad. He does not get to be back in the family. He does not get the fattened calf. Maybe a goat, but not the fattened calf. Not this, not that, not the robe, not the sandals, not the ring. I have been the good one. And the father, again, an assault on his integrity, an assault on him. He says, "Because the brother's saying, I don't want to be part of this. If this is what you're doing, I don't want to be part of this family. I am segregating myself. I will not go and connect with them." And so again, an assault on the integrity of the father. And the father could respond and say, "Get in line, you little child." Um, but he doesn't. We see God once again with grace. Say, "My my son, I love you. I." You are always. You've been here with me. I am with you always, and everything that I have is yours, and that's the literal truth. That doesn't need to be divvied up anymore. When he dies, he gets everything that is left. He says, you're with me, and the brother doesn't care. And um, it's a hard one. What What is the brother feeling? Is he Is he annoyed? Is he angry about? The possessions, the materialistic things, or is there more? What are some of the things that if you could look at this story, what is the brother's motivation? Is it just about materialistic stuff, or do you think there's more in there? And if so, um, how do you think sometimes we uh, can show that as well? Maybe there's a bit of envy. Maybe there's a bit of pride. Discuss. You've got two minutes. All right, great. Thanks, guys. Thank you for uh, asking the questions. Thank you for being honest. Um, You know, in the first story, in the first act, we get a traditional viewpoint of sin. This guy's done all this, 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 and this. He has done bad things he calls a bad person. Uh, He tries to get a relationship with his dad. uh, but Well, he doesn't want to get in a relationship with his father. Basically, he wants the things of the father. um, And uh, therefore, to be similar, to be like his dad, you know, he wants that stuff, and he goes and, and, and wrecks it all. Then you have the other son um, who, who does the opposite. He does the good things, the right things. He stays with the father, but his motivation, there's something off. There's something wrong. And, you know, the youngest son, I believe this whole story, an element of the story at least, is about control. Um, and in a, in a situation where you can't control things, the younger son says, I want stuff. I feel like I have a lack of stuff and that I need things in my life now when I want it. And he does this, this, and this to get it. And then you've got the oldest son that does the same, but in a very different way. So you get the youngest son, he tries to get control from leaving and disobeying. Whereas the eldest son, uh, he tries to get control by staying and obeying. And I think both are a a, a grapple uh, for control. Um, the eldest son wants stuff. He, he lists material things, and he's not enjoying the relationship with the father. See, I think this story uh, is about um, the circumstances we find ourselves and how we respond to those circumstances. And Jesus doesn't finish finish the story. We have no idea, and I think he does that on purpose. I don't think Jesus finishes the story in Luke 15. I think he leaves it up to us to ruminate on this idea. Well. What son is right and what son is wrong? Well, if you've got the one that's done this, 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 and this, you'd go, well, he's wrong, and this one who's done this, this, and this has stayed with the father, but his heart's wrong, and yet this guy has turned back and run towards the father for relationship. And so Jesus, remembering the context of the Pharisees and the the lawmakers and the people who were listening to this story in that place where he told it, he was saying to them, he was saying, You are like the older brother. You have been in relationship. You have been here. You're not like some of these Gentiles or other people that have gone and done this or this or been sinful or been a tax collector. No, you haven't. But your heart is not uh, for relationship. It's for what you can get. It's for the status that you can get. And uh, that's a terrible place to be. And uh, I I, I picture that and I go, man, that was the heart of that story, in my opinion, uh, for those people listening to it. You know, you you are we are all valued. the coin is valuable the sheep is valuable it was celebrating the value of all people where in a community at that time and place it was you know i'm higher i'm better than all people and that is not uh where we're at right as christians we are we are to believe and we are to outwork uh that we everybody is 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 valued and loved and a part of community My question for you today, and we won't get you to break into your groups, is where are you at? Which character are you in Luke 15? Are you a sheep? Are you a follower? Are you the lost coin? Are you the the, the broken-hearted mother looking for the coin? Are you the father? Are you the eldest son? Are you the youngest son? There is something in there that God is trying to talk to you about today. And in a time and in a place where there's disunity, where there are people saying, this is in you know, the, the, the relationships of God, that's out, this is okay, this is permissible, this isn't, where there's division, right? Like Jesus is saying, we are all loved and valued by God, and we must have that heart. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of problems and issues that we are facing today. So love covers. Love goes the extra mile. Where there are people making dumb decisions around you, whatever you might think that is, are you the elder brother throwing stones or are you the father who's going, I will connect with you, I will connect with you, I will do everything I can, even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to be graceful. What is it for you today? Let me go through that list again. The lost coin. The sheep. The 99 sheep. Are you the shepherd looking after a lost sheep? The coin. Are you the lost coin? Do you know someone who's the lost coin and you're like that woman looking for the coin? Are you the eldest brother? Have you got resentment in your heart for things? Have you just been doing religion and not relationship? Are you the father? Do you want to see the father's heart more? Or are you the lost son? Why don't you take a minute, think of those characters and just ask Holy Spirit, what are you trying to speak to me today about in your mighty name? Ask yourself that now, we're gonna take a minute. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be speaking to all of us. Lord, we don't want just information, we want transformation. Reveal to us what is our next step in outworking uh, this issue or situation in our lives. We give all the glory to you. We give you all control, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. I hope that you take away from today uh, that we are called to love, that we are called to be in relationship, that God, uh, you can never go so far away from God that he won't come running for you. And also in this crazy time, in this crazy situation, put on love, keep your love on, keep valuing people every time you can, Uh, keep trying to connect them, keep trying to find a place of relationship. And if they choose not to, if they choose to draw lines and say, you're this and I'm here, therefore we can't, be like the Father, looking, praying, hoping, and looking down the path for relationship and connection once again. Bless you guys. Uh, Thank you, RCC, for watching on the big screen and anyone at home. Love you heaps. Again, if you need anything in this crazy time, we'd love to pray with you, meet with you, have a coffee if we can. Um, And uh, yeah, we just love you guys. Have a great Sunday.